Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comics Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the comics we got this month. We'll start with DC, we'll go over to Marvel, and then we'll cover the other publishers. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll cover general plot points and storylines of the comics we discuss. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in November 2022. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Uh, getting ready for the holidays and stuff, so winding down the year. Me too. It's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. I got... How many comics did I get this time? I got 72 comics this time. Oh, not that many. We weren't far off. I was 78. 78, okay, so not, not too far off. Yeah, not bad. Uh, about a third of mine were DC... So it would be about 24, about 33 from Marvel, and about 15 from the other publishers. Okay, nice, nice. I, we're, we're kind of similar. I, got, I always have a little bit more Marvel, which is why they're getting more of my cuts going forward. I'm like 21 DC, and then I haven't filtered the list for the other. So hold on, let me do that. Marvel 34. See, that was the bulk of mine. Yeah, yeah. It's, Marvel's been the bulk of mine for a while, and I'm more of a DC fan, so that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. They've been doing a pretty good job. And, and just the sheer amount of material that Marvel publishes is kind of – there's a lot to be read if you want to read it all. And I'm getting to where I don't. And that's where I am too because like the latest solicits came out, and I'm just grabbing for the magazine right now as we're recording. And like this latest previews, I, you know, I flipped through a lot of pages before I got to something that I wanted to read. The main previews or the Marvel previews? The Marvel. I'm okay. sorry, the Marvel previews. With the Marvel previews – I think these days you should start at the back, go to that page of here's everything they're coming out with in two, three months' time. Yeah. Because that's where most of the solicits, solicits, that's where most of the new items actually are. A lot of what they've got in the actual catalog is stuff that was on last month's order form. Which is absolute insanity. (laughs) It's driving me bonkers. Yeah, I get that order form from Eric. And I, I feel bad for the guy because he can only get what the companies download to him, which was in last month's previews because Marvel's printing out to March right now, which is insane. This to me is entirely on Marvel and their distributor. Actually, not even the distributor. I think it's entirely on Marvel. And, and why would they be doing this? It makes no sense. I have no earthly idea, but they've gotten their, their order form and their catalog out of sync. And... I. For me, it's it's not helping their sales. There are a couple of things where it's, you know, I don't know what this is. I'm not going to order it blind. I mean, I did that the first month or two, but at this point, it's like, no, I'm being a lot more hardcore on some of that stuff. If, if you don't want to tell me what it is, it must not be any good. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, they had a, t- a couple TBAs, and I'm like, what is this? And then I, 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 I remember I saw an Avengers comic. It was last time. And it was something that uh, Paul Levitz was writing. Oh, right, right. The uh, Avengers Across Time or whatever it is. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, this Avengers is another one. Oh, well, I'll just skip it. And then I was lucky because when we recorded, it came up on FOC that Friday. And luckily, I remembered I, uh, that almost triggered me where I added it. So I got the first issue, but probably most of the people missed it. I don't go through those FOC catalogs that, that Eric e- emails out every week. And that really hit home this morning as we record this. When I was going through, you know, my feed, and it's like, oh, there's this new comic coming out from from DC. Now, we're recording this on on December 13th, and it was Dark Crisis Big Bang. Oh. And I'm like, what is this? What is that? (laughs) I haven't heard of this. Me neither. It's not even on the Dark Crisis checklist. Yeah, what is that? 
remember how a while back Mark Webb was was asking people what Earth is what story on? Yeah. This may be the project that was for. Where where am I supposed to order this? I, I emailed Eric this morning, or slacked him actually, and said, somehow I missed this. I mean, one, I missed it. Two, it's the exact sort of thing I probably would have done a preview spotlight clip on. But I'm assuming it was done through FOC or something like that. And it's like, come on, that's that's a horrible way to do business, guys. So Marvel's giving us stuff months in advance that we can't order. And DC's just leaving things off the list. What a wonderful day we live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did you did you get it? Uh, it's actually going to be in my shipment that comes this week. Holy crap. So it, it already came out. So I got to tell Eric that if he could to add it to mine, I'm going to message him right now. It's called The Big Bang? Dark Crisis Big Bang. All right. I'm messaging him right now. It's a, a fight across the multiverse or some such. And I, I'm seeing it as kind of sort of potentially, and I could be totally wrong on this because I never saw the solicit for it, but kind of sort of like the multiversity guidebook where it's a little bit of story and a little bit of what worlds are out there. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I just asked him if he could add it because... Uh, Mark Wade's writing it. I want to know what in the heck they're headed for, and I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And I mean, again, they're dropping balls on both sides of the aisle on this in terms of they're messing up how they're soliciting. And for those of us that pre-order, and even those of us those who don't pre-order, you go into stores, and guess what? Your store pre-orders. Yeah, so it affects you. There may be some stores where they just never get the. Dark Crisis Big Bang because the the manager missed it or something. That's funny. And uh, another interesting thing, the only one that I I feel like they're doing it right because they've just done it for so long is I never have a problem with the main previews catalog and the main stuff from Diamond. (laughs) It's on the order form. It's in the catalog. They've just been doing it forever. They've been doing it forever. It comes out like clockwork. Yeah. I I miss the Diamond days now. I'm pretty sure I, I mentioned that there was the possibility of complexities and problems with the the Monopoly, you know. And it's it, to say the Monopoly getting broken, that's wrong, because DC is essentially a Monopoly over at Lunar for all intents and purposes, Marvel over at, at Penguin Random House. It's just multiple Monopolies going on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a zoo. It's crazy. It's annoying. Absolute insanity. And we just are sitting back watching the show and trying to make our way through it. Trying to get the book so we can read them trying to (laughs) so speaking of that how about we start talking about the books we read yeah let's go to dc all right for me i actually had a couple of things in that this was pretty good category all right i got i I actually had a few four of them that i really liked i had five one of which i'm thinking maybe it was a little charitable on and two of which i i basically gave a perfect score to ah and i think i might be able to guess one of them you might be able to guess both of them, but let's find out. Uh, I, were they written by Jeff Johns? Gosh, it, it's quite possible they were. <laughs> no, I think it's a Stargirl and the New Golden Age. Well, you got one of the two. Oh, is it the Justice Society? Justice Society was the other one. Oh, okay. All right. Stargirl was in that other A-ish range. All right. Cool, cool. But New Golden Age and Justice Society of America, and I held off Justice Society of America to the last comic I read for the month. Oh, Okay. Just because it's like, I got high hopes for this, don't let me down. But man, that, that new Golden Age one-shot, the future JSA was looking interesting. It kind of sort of maybe tied into Bendis' Legion, a couple of surprising cameos of, of a couple of characters, some nice twists on some stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the kind of DC comics I want to be reading. And then I 
I hit the end of the story and we got to those who's who pages. I'm like, man, I'm loving this. Oh, cool, cool. So you love those. Nice. Well, I'm a big fan of who's who. And there were some little story nuggets hidden in those entries. Okay. All right. Cool. Mention of a, a Justice Society Dark. Yep. Red Lantern's daughter, which we actually see in JSA. Yeah. And they give us a ton of information about those 13 characters listed at the end of that Flashpoint Beyond number six. Except for one of them, they, they redacted like the entire thing. Even that was kind of cool. Yeah, I Jeff Johns is a terrific writer. He had some some very talented artists with him on that book. And it's like, man, if if all of DC were like this, I'd have a much bigger pull list. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. I, I was surprised. They kicked off. And it, I, I don't want to say I was surprised. It was it was really nice. It was kind of refreshing. Out of the three, I think Stargirl was my favorite and The Lost Children. Believe it or not, I don't know why that was my favorite. And, and that's one that I actually read later because, Eric, I missed it or mm-hmm. I left it off. And then he stuck it in my last shipment that I got. So I literally just read that one probably like a week ago. It had a, a fun of cool aspects to it. I mean, I, the whole let's get more sidekicks out there, I'm, I'm happy with. But yeah. It's continuing the story arc started in the Stargirl Spring Break special from spring 2021. Yep. And I'm like, man, it's like, that's a long gestation time. But we got to see uh, Dan the Dynamite again. We got to see Ann Airwave. I'm not quite sure which one. Some cool intro to like TikTok and some other kind of quote unquote new Golden Age style characters. Because there are a couple of these that I think may kind of sort of maybe have existed not as sidekicks or as such. Others are brand new. And I really wanted more story than this regular sized issue had in it. I would agree. It, it was a, just like a three ninety nine normal size comic. Yeah. It, it, but it was really solid, and I'm probably reading too much into it, but I really liked it. I, I feel like this story never would have happened with Dan DiDio because it's all sidekicks and stuff like that, and he was notoriously hated them. And then almost like how they all disappeared, where have they gone, you know, the mystery behind this, kind of hearkening back to this is in our roots, this is our DNA. So he created the, all these new things, and where did they go? And it almost ties into almost like you see the the older gentleman in there, how he becomes a, a sidekick at one mm-hmm. point in the comic. And it almost made me think of like comic readers, you know, it got really meta in my mind. Mm. You know, what what happened to all the comic readers? You know, they kind yeah. of aged out. We're, we're just, you know, they're all in their 50s and 40s and 60s and 70s. And, and you don't have that golden age of comic readers. And I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but I, it just kind of hit with me. I almost wish this had been written by somebody other than Jeff Johns, though. Really? Why's that? Because I think Jeff Johns, uh, because he was the writer and he's got a bias for Stargirl, made this a Stargirl story. Yes, he did. Yeah. Very true. In my mind, this is a Nightwing story. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. He's the original Robin, the original sidekick, and you pair him up with Arsenal, the original Speedy, Tempest, the original Aqualad, or whatever names they're going by these days. And kind of the other iconic sidekicks of years past, essentially the original Teen Titans for all intents and purposes, minus Wonder Girl, who kind of really wasn't a sidekick, but you could toss her in anyways. But going from them being the original sidekicks to realizing they really weren't. Yeah. It just, it feels like a Teen Titans story more than a Stargirl story. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. All right. Nice. I mean, it, it's good for what it is, and he's doing a terrific job with it, so I'm enjoying it. And again, seeing some of these characters and stuff, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to, to getting to know some of the others. Yeah, I agree. Now, on the just Justice Society specifically, I really like the issue, but 
it, it, two things that were weird for me, you know, like the new golden age, all this stuff is coming out before Dark Crisis is over. I'm like, okay, this isn't synced up well, but whatever. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> like, it happened. What did you think about the whole like villain aspect and all that stuff? Like, what, what, how'd that hit you? Well, first off, the story basically is set 28 years from now. Yes. Which I find kind of interesting. It's, it's starring really the third Helena Wayne Huntress that we've gotten and the fifth Huntress overall. Yeah. Which is a little kind of mind-bending in and of itself, because you had the original Earth-2 one, you had the new 52, and that, that, the original Earth-2, it's Earth-the word 2, versus the new 52 Earth-the number 2 version. This one's presumably on Earth-0, I guess. That's not nice. counting the, the Paula Brooks, Huntress, Tigress, or the post-crisis Helena Bertinelli, Huntress. So, I mean, getting kind of sort of back to basics, but not. Yeah. Kind of interesting. And in terms of the villains, it really most of the book was filled with villains, including the new JSA team of that era. Exactly. That's what I was like. It almost felt like it felt weird because it's all these the bad guys in the JSA. And so this is my first time reading the JSA, and I know I need to read the old JSA stuff and the old Jeff John stuff. But I was reading it, and I'm like, this is not the Justice Society. This is the Villain Society. <laughs> it's the Injustice Society of America. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I almost it felt like a Thunderbolts moment because I was reading all these characters. I'm like, wait a minute, these aren't good guys. What What's going on here? What's happening? <laughs> well, and there's some some high level similarities to the Stargirl show. Okay, where we get you know a couple of of characters like Icicle, Solomon Grundy, and some stuff like that in in supporting roles or whatnot. The bit with the end where it teased a couple of different time frames and some stuff like that. I think starting next issue, we're going to get much more classic JSA characters. Yeah, I, that's the way I felt, too. I thought it was a strong start for Jeff Johns. These three books, they were all terrifically written. Well, and, and Michael Janet on art for JSA? Oh, amazing. It was just Incredible. Terrific. Incredible art. Yeah, so, I mean, DC came out strong, and but once again, it's kind of funny, because Dark Crisis is, still has another issue to go. <laughs> we got issue six, but I was like, all right. <laughs> well, we got number six. We also got The Dark Army. Yeah, the Dark Army, and we got the Worlds Without Justice League Batman and the Young Justice, the last one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah, we got all those. Yeah, fun fun ones. Uh, young, I, I, young Justice, man, that that ultimately pointless, and at least it's over. Yeah, and the Batman was just kind of, okay, it's there. But, I mean, the other two I thought were, were decent for me. Dark Crisis and Dark Crisis Dark Army. I, I like both of those. With Dark Crisis, there was one quote in there that that really stuck out to me, I guess is the way to put it. Okay, what is that? And it was, I forget who was saying it, run, Barry, run. And I'm like, if that doesn't really show the non-comic versions have kind of taken over the comics and stuff, I'm not sure what does. Yeah. And we're six issues out of seven into Dark Crisis, and I feel like I really ought to be much more engaged and excited by the series than I am, and I'm, I'm not. No, no. I, 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 the whole middle, it was just kind of like, so-so. This was one of the better ones, and this would still... It, my best would be like a B minus B type category, but it was decent for what we've gotten previously. I felt like it was okay for what we'd gotten previously, but for me, the Dark Army actually was better. That was the better issue, and that was it. it was nice, and I, maybe it's because Mark Wade wrote it. He wrote it, but I think part of the weakness is it seemed like there was a variety of, of artists. I think. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, we start with, with I mean, the whole thing's featuring a, a team Damien puts together, which okay, that's cool. Yeah, Damien's little team, I like that. And they're going against the heavy hitters. I mean, the thing started with a ton of captions at the beginning, which, okay, not crazy about that. 
We get this red canary, new character, curious, okay. But then at one point, Damien is kind of portaled by Sideways, one of the forgotten heroes of the New Age of Heroes or whatever DC's little short-term Let's Do Marvel initiative was. Yeah. And he comes out of that portal and it's like he's aged up or something because it was an art change to an artist who clearly doesn't know his Robins very well. Yeah. Because it's like the, the, the kid grew, I think, six inches or something. <laughs> Which is funny, yeah. And, you know, we get a parallel world or two. We get Power Girl remembering the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, which in and of itself is okay, but potentially problematic. And at one point, they've got that President Superman of Earth, I don't know, 23 or whatever, asking Mary Marvel if they should follow Damien. On what planet, on what reality does any Superman have to ask anybody if they should follow any of the Robins? Yeah. Particularly Batman's son. <laughs> I mean, if this, was, if this was Jason Todd, okay, maybe a fair question. But yeah, come on. I mean, it, all in all, it was a fun side story. Probably the best part of Dark Crisis so far for me. Not to say it was perfect, but definitely it had some moments. Yeah, I would agree. It, it, it had its moments, and I enjoyed that one issue more than pretty much all of Dark Crisis or any of those little side books. And I suspect Lazarus Planet is going to be more of this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I did something weird. I picked up the main Lazarus Planet, and I picked up the Omega or whatever the whatever the ending is. But uh, the middle ones, I know it's weird. I just didn't read it. And I did the same thing with that dark web. I'm like, if it spilled into my comics, I read it. I don't want to read it, the rest of it. I went ahead and got pre-ordered the other interim Lazarus Planet stuff for Dark Web over at Marvel. If it was a title I was getting, I was getting it. If it wasn't, it wasn't for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's where I am. But overall, it was, for me, I had some other good ones. Okay. The other ones that I really liked was World's Finest Number 9. I thought that was a, a good read. You get, you know, Boy Thunder, basically, it's his training issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has deeper emotional issues as Batman and Superman introduce him to the Teen Titans, which was kind of cool, like seeing, you know, the layers of the onion there. And then Superman's trying to make him a, a better person in the long run. And then, da-da-da, in comes the Joker. <laughs> seeing the Joker and the key working together was kind of bizarre. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, okay. First off, it's just unusual to see the key. He's not really a headlining villain. Loved the use of the Teen Titans. I thought that was a ton of fun. Yeah. I am curious where Mark Wade is going with this Boy Thunder, because I'm, I'm just not sure at this point. Exactly. I thought it was just kind of like a one-off, like almost like a throwaway thing that we are going to do. But now he's in the second issue, and it looks like he's going to be in the third. And what's happening here? He's going to be in the next two with Boy Thunder, and there's, they're teasing that the Boy Thunder is related to somebody we've known for, for decades. And I'm like, okay. Interesting. All right. Well, issue number eight is going to be worth tons of money. Could be. Could be. Could be. I have no clue. <laughs> if it is, it is. If it's not, it's not. It's true. And I, I won't know. It'll be stuffed away in a box somewhere. <laughs> now, the other one that I really enjoyed that we hadn't talked about, Batman versus Robin, number three. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, that, that's an obvious one. That was a Mark Wade one. And the other one, I did like the Nightwing annual. But uh, the Batman versus Robin, it was a pretty good issue. The the sins of the past, you know, each Robin having their, you know, uh, females showing up and stuff like that, and they fight Bruce and everything. But did, did you like it, the Batman versus Robin? I, I thought it was a great issue. I thought it was a nice use of the Robins in Alfred. Ton of fun stuff. Mark Wade, he is just a terrific writer. He's in his element, really both at Marvel and DC. But what he's doing here at DC right now, I'm loving. And if what Mark Wade and Jeff Johns are doing can kind of spill over to the other writers. That'd be some cool stuff. I agree. And, and then the other thing 
the Nightwing Annual, not to be jumping all over the place, but I am. I am. The reason why I like that, because it's an awesome annual, I felt like you didn't have to read that to read the main Nightwing story. But it gives you so much more depth, because this is where you get the deep dive into the origin of Heartless and who he was and how he came about and you know all the creepiness that was him. So I really I appreciated that because it adds more to the story without taking away and turning that into like a six issue arc. Yeah, but I mean, the Heartless stuff, I mean, that goes back to Nightwing 78, which came out on March 17th. Yeah. Of what, 2020, I think it was? I forget. Ages ago. Ages ago. Maybe it was 2021. Whatever. It has been a while, and then he disappeared for a long time. Well, he's been kind of lurking in the background and stuff like that, and this is just the backstory. Yep. We're like two years in, and we're just really starting to get going with the Heartless stuff, enough that his background matters. He's finally coming up to the forefront. <laughs> and I'm like, it's too big of a build-up, and I hope it doesn't let me down. I thought this was interesting, but I might have been more interested in it maybe a year ago. I agree. Now, the other thing I really liked about the annual was the two backup stories, which I tend to not like those, but I felt like these were so good. Like, you got the bite wing mm-hmm. basically destroying Dick's home when he's gone, imagining he's a superhero. <laughs> that was that was fun, but I think it could have been executed a little better. I almost would have cut between bite wing's imaginary adventure with cuts of him doing those same things as he's destroying the apartment. Yeah, that would have been better if they had the cut there, because the way they did it, it was all at the very end when you see him walk in. It's like you can put two and two together as to what probably happened, but it's not actually there on the page. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Very, very true. And then, did you like the Nightwing training John on how to be a better superhero? I I thought that was a great story. I loved it. The art? Not so much. Yeah, the art was kind of horrible, but the story itself was really good. If if that had had, like, Bruno Redondo art... Oh, it would have been fantastic. It would have been awesome. Awesome, yeah. I'm a, a little mixed feelings on using Batman as kind of the counterexample of something, but in this case, it totally worked. Yep. I, I really liked what they tried to do on that, but in terms of execution, that's where I, I, I really felt it could have been a little better. No, I agree with you. The, the only other two things that I really, uh, you know, kind of like in that B-plus range for me were like things you're not getting, DC Horror, Sergeant Rock number three. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Nothing new happened except that, you know, basically Sergeant Rock got a whole bunch of new weapons to kill the undead. And then DC's War of the Undead Gods, number four, which was kind of like, it's not a great issue. It's probably one of the (laughs) okay issues. But the Guardians wanted to wipe out a sector to stop the plague. And Superman just wallops one of them, knocks him out. It was awesome. (laughs) Knocks out a Guardian. It was just funny. It made me laugh. (laughs) What did you think of the regular issue of Nightwing we got this month? The regular show Nightwing, I was like, uh, I did not care for that at all. It was like, it felt like, I, I never read this Might, what is his name, Night Might? Night Might, he's new. It's like Kitty Deadpool. Well, it's like Bat Might. Bat Might, yeah. I, 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 it was and grating on me. Did you I, like it? I liked him better than I liked Bat Might. I thought okay. it was a fun issue. I didn't really care for the art style. Me neither. That's I, I really didn't like the art. And part of it, it was so different than Bruno Redondo. It was so different, and I was like, it was so out of the loop with the story I wanted to read. And I read the annual, I'm like, I'd rather read this than the main Nightwing story this month. Yeah, I think if they'd had Bruno's art there, it would have helped a lot. But it explained the cliffhanger, or not the cliffhanger, but the tease at the end of the last issue, which is yeah. kind of what I figured when I realized who was going to be in this. I thought it was fun, but 
this is where my frustration with Tom Taylor's writing is coming in in terms of the pacing. Yeah. This was a stalling issue, and I've been waiting how long for this this heartless stuff to get started, and by the time it does, I'm over it. Yeah, exactly. It totally sidetracked the whole thing with this, uh, and I hate to call it this, but it felt like a throwaway issue. Just just filler. And I I know it's not filler, but it's not what I wanted to read when I was going and picking up Nightwing, you know? It's, it's, at the very least, it's a breather issue. A breather, yeah. And the same could be said of the one where they did the gimmick where it was all one panel and stuff, fun though that was. It didn't really move stuff along, and they've had a few other things like that. So I really enjoy what they're doing on that title and stuff. I just kind of wish they'd get to doing it a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It needs to move a little bit faster. Yeah. And, and those were the things I like because most of the other stuff was just kind of like so-so for me, and there was one that I just really didn't care for. Which was the one you didn't care for? Superman Kal-El Returns. Oh, it's funny. I was just about to ask what you thought of that special. Oh, I didn't like it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Did you like it? I, I didn't really care for the Mr. Nobody story. I mean, it was a decent story. I just don't care for that, that villain. Yeah. The Jimmy Olsen story I didn't think was great, and I didn't like the art style. It didn't land the ending. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, horrible art. The story by Marv Wolfman was a nice father-son kind of story, so that was fun. But then that, that last one, where Superman's chatting with the JLA, and it leads into JLA 75, which came out back in, like, late April. Which was insane, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, right, all of this stuff on the Superman family, that's happening back at the beginning of this year, even though we're at the end of this year. And really, I think one of the ways to make a shared universe work is to tell it in sequence, in parallel, in coordination. Yeah, it felt insane. Like, this book was just kind of thrown together, and it really wasn't about Kal-El returning, I, I kind of, well, but... it was, but it was from Kal-El returning from when he went to War World, but he's already returned over in Dark Crisis from having died in... in JLA 75. Exactly. None of it's syncing up. He's back, and yet we're still celebrating the return, but he's been back for a while. It's like... He's been back twice, is my point. I know. It's insane. I'm like, what is going on here? It's just so frustrating. So I read it, and I just, I literally just hated it, because I'm like, all right, he's back. We know. All right, why is this here? Why is this issue even coming out? Yeah, I, I think DC just needs to get their ducks in a row. I think they can. They've got good people, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, on board. But I'm at the point where I'm ready to drop Detective. I'm questioning if I should still be getting Wonder Woman. I am dropping the Tim Drake Robin title, and that's a character I, I really enjoy. But, I mean, like, the, the third issue here, man, not a great issue. Last one I have on pre-order. Somebody let me know when they get a new creative team on, on this character. Yeah. Hey, just so you know, you mentioned Detective. I did. I think this is my last issue. I canceled it. I haven't, and I really should. I'm just not enjoying it at all. It was pretty horrible. I haven't been liking it, and man, I read that Detective Comics Annual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a prelude to like the next arc or whatever, and I'm like, it's not working for me. <laughs> it doesn't work. Both the, the monthly issue and the, the annual got like C, C- type stuff. And the, these are... T I've been getting Detective Comics since like the original version of Jason Todd, so... Right That's around 527-ish, give or take. I forget when he showed up, but I know I got that issue. So I, I got like half the run. That's a lot of issues. That's 500 issues. Oh, he's, uh, more than that. Yeah, yeah. More than 500. Yeah, that's a lot. So, but it, it's not working for me. That's not good. That's so, definitely not good. Because you're, you're, you're a 40-plus year reader of that. Yeah. I think when they 
when they're publishing these comics, they've got to have the concept of kind of the lifetime value of a customer. And you're not going to get that much lifetime value out of a, a customer of a property you only do a mini series of every couple of years or something like that. But when it's one of your mainstay anchor books, or ought to be at least, with Detective, with Action, with Superman, with Wonder Woman and such, and you've got people who've been on forever and they're, they're not happy, how much am I worth versus somebody who's, who's walking into the comic store for the first time and, and maybe sampling that, that Superman issue or that Wonder Woman issue or that Detective Comics issue? Yeah, yeah. Not, not a good place for them. But, I mean, I'm hoping for good things. We are getting the dawn of the DCU, even though I would say the dawn has already started. Coming out soon. We're getting the dawn, but we've had the rebirth. We've, we've, we've had Flashpoint. I mean, I've lost track of how many times they've, they've, they've turned over a new leaf, started a new day at DC, and we're at least a, a couple of weeks in, uh, if you look at the totality of it. Hey, and on that note, they're going to reboot their entire cinematic universe. Yeah, but they kind of have to on that. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of insane. They've, th- there was even rumors that they might do a crisis. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> they did it on the TV stuff, and it worked. Yeah, it could work. And it was not the swan song of that stuff, but for other reasons, everything else has petered out since. Yeah, that's not that's not promising. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, honestly, I I, I, ho- I hope that DC does well. For me, it would just be horrifying to have sunk all the money into creating a lot of these movies halfway, or some of them weren't even completed, and then just scrapping it all and saying we're starting over. Uh, that just is horrifying to me personally. I'm like, uh, I mean, maybe it's the right thing, and but it, I, I'm just worried for them. The whole bit with the Batgirl movie, scrapping it after they they've done everything but the post production or whatever that 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 floors me. I mean, just throw it up on HBO Max and don't even announce it. Something. Do something with it. That's crazy just to throw it away. Well, they would have had to sink more money in to finish it to be able to do that. But, I mean, they don't know what they're doing over there on the movie side. I think they've lost their way on the TV side of it. And on the comics, I don't know how many years I've said this in a row, probably, but this is uh, 2023 is going to be a make-or-break year for DC. Either the dawn of DC works or... They may be losing me as a, a regular reader. Very true. And, and you know what? One other th- reboot they're having. It's no longer going to be called HBO Max. They're going to have one streaming service. It's going to be called Max. And then they're going to put all the Discovery Plus and the HBO stuff in there. And that's going to be, it's just going to be called Max. Because that's not ironic. <laughs> I heard that. I was like, really? That's what they came up with. All right. <laughs> Doesn't Marvel have a Max imprint? Yeah. I'm sure the tone and style, there's no confusion there. (laughs) So silly, so silly. Yeah. Speaking of Marvel. All right, let's go over there. I got my stuff pulled up. Man, this is one where nothing was really a breakout. Wow, this was terrific. A lot of it was really good. And there are a couple of things where it's like, I'm ready to start dropping a couple of things. And and others are just going to kind of go by the wayside anyways. Actually, I'm in the same boat. Because there's some things that I really was not liking, some things that I was going to be cutting over here. And there was a lot of like B to B plus material, very little like that would reach even A minus. Yeah. Yeah. For me, a lot of it was in that, that, that B range, give or take a plus or a minus. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I'm go through it. I'm like, there was no stellar standouts, but there was like, there was a surprisingly good book and just surprising because I didn't expect it. Blade Vampire Nation. It was mm. Mark Russell who wrote it. And I picked it up because of Mark Russell, not because I was, I thought the whole thing was just ludicrous with Blade being the sheriff of the vampire nation. Right, right. I'm like, what are we, what, they're living in Chernobyl. I'm like, what's going on here? How long ago did they set that up in Avengers? 
it was like in the first six issues. Wow. And now we're touching it again five years later <laughs> in this one shot. And okay, so I went into it and I'm thinking, okay, how are they going to incorporate Mark Russell's humor and, you know, his little entendres, double entendres about modern society? It's nothing like that. It's a very serious tone book. And it was Blade almost being like Batman or like a sheriff, a detective with a murder that's happened and, or an attempt on Dracula's life. Mm. And so it was just surprising, which made it better because I went into it with no expectations. Not that it was the best thing I've ever read, but it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, Mark Russell can write a detective book. That's kind of nice. Yeah, I just don't think of detective story when I think of Blade. No, it should not be. So it was good for what it was, but I don't think Blade should be a, a sheriff. He should not be a detective. He should be chopping off the vampires' heads and staking them. Yeah, yeah. If if somebody were to come to him and say there was a an attempt on Dracula's life, his response to, would be, I can fix it. I can kill Dracula for you. Yeah. <laughs> or just be like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, let me solve that case. Exactly. So it's just so weird. And I'm like, okay, now that Jason Aaron's moving along, can we can we throw a, a bomb on this whole idea and just take Blade out of there? Uh, they're, they're coming out with a new thing in the solicits, Blade's daughter. And I'm like, I don't, that's weird too. Yeah. Okay. I, did you want to tell me something you liked or I'll tell you one that I was my favorite? Let's go ahead and see what your favorite was. Uh, okay. It's one you didn't get. Sorry. It's okay. Punisher number seven. I really like the series. So we get two artists, Azaceta, I can't, I'm butchering his name, for Frank's past. And we get Jesus Saiz mm-hmm. for the modern take. And so it's, it was a pretty big book. It was an oversized issue. And Punisher and the Daredevil kind of face off in a brief fight. So they're setting that up, a fight that's going to be taking place in the Daredevil comics. Because So Daredevil, they're building this whole thing, which is another issue I liked in it, where him and Elektra have gotten married. And they are part of an organization called The Fist. They needed a king and a queen. Here they are. They're married. They're going to be facing off against the Hand. And the Hand, they kind of worship the Beast. And the Beast is, the embodiment is Frank Castle right now. Because far be it from it to actually be the beast. The beast. There is a beast, <laughs> but he's kind of empowered. He has demonic. Yeah. It's like, all right. And so anyways, you get you know a lot from Frank's past, you know, wh- why he wanted to go to Vietnam or whatever, and what, what ha- you know, his decisions around that and coming back to his family. When he came back, how he was changed. You get interactions with a priest at a church that ended very creepily. It's kind of very, very creepy at all. And then you get Daredevil at one point praying over Frank. So there's like religion playing into this, trying to almost perform an exorcism on him to bring back the Frank Castle we know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of gotten really weird in The Punisher. And then over in the Daredevil issue, which was another one I like, but a little bit less than The Punisher, you have Elektra and Daredevil almost creating an army. They're, they're getting all these ruffians about, you know, like uh, people who've been locked up in prison and stuff before because they need, you know, people to fight against the hand because the hand they have almost like an infant number of all these ninjas. Yeah, and yeah. So that one's getting ready to be on, but also in The Punisher, there's Ares with his minions. So Frank is fighting two different wars right now. Well, I'm sure he can handle it. He's got the ammo. He's a busy guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, he's got the katana these days, I guess. So yeah. how would I know? I don't read the book. But there were some other stuff I like, but I'm going to let you go now. Man, I got to say, I, this was just kind of a, a so-so month for Marvel. I mean... There were a couple of things that, you know, were, were in the, why did I get this? You know, Exterminators being chief among them. A few others I'm thinking about dropping, like X-Force, 
Legion of X, Marauders. I may have actually already dropped one or two of those. I dropped some of those. All right. Yep, Marauders, uh, Legion X, I got rid of all of those. I think this was my last issue of All Out Avengers, and it's not bad. It's just I'm not going to wait long enough for the payoff. Yeah. And a lot of the other stuff, even the best of it, was kind of in that B range. And really, I would say the highlight of, of Marvel, and I use the hi- term highlight, not to, it wasn't bad or anything, but I, Immortal X-Men was the best of the bunch. And it was just, yeah, it was a solid read. Yeah, I could see that. Now, uh, let me ask you some questions then. Some things that I, I kind of enjoyed. Like I said, it's in that B range. It's not like, mm-hmm. A, this is really great. Okay, Miracle Man, The Silver Age, number two, I enjoyed it. I like the comic. You know, Gaiman's good writing and the art's always terrific. But it took a very weird turn in there. You know, you got Dickie Dauntless is reborn. He's relearning everything. Yeah. He's like consuming literature and TV and everything. And then you get Miracle Man kind of looking down upon him from like the moon, I'm guessing. Oh, keep in mind that part of the story was written back in around 1985-ish. Yeah. Why did Miracle Man do what he did? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to spoil that, but I'm like, that was weird. That was weird, but in a different way in 1985 than in today. So back then, yeah, it was basically never heard of. I wouldn't say never heard of, but it uh, society was in a different place. Things get interpreted differently. We're literally a generation later in terms of technology, social mores, everything. Yeah, very true. It's more acceptable. It, it came off as like out of nowhere, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was just like, that's weird. What? Where did this come from? <laughs> well, I in my expectation is... It was something that somebody else kind of engineered to have happen. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So that's what I wanted to ask you because I was like, I'm reading, I'm just like, it just seemed to come out of nowhere, that little twist there. I was like, that's bizarre. And I'm hoping they explain it in issue number three. I don't know if it'll be in three, but I'm sure it'll be in one of the the future ones. I mean, it's an interesting story. I'm also enjoying the pages at the end, comparing the original art to the new art. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And starting next issue, we're getting new unpublished stuff. I don't know how far that they'd mapped out the story or, or when we're going to go from what had been written to what is being written. All right. So I'm looking forward to the new stuff, but the, I enjoyed it. I had never read that before. Mm-hmm. So it, it was good. It's just weird because it just seemed to pop up out of nowhere. And then the other thing, I was, the other two I was going to ask about, we got two number ones and I saw that you did get them. Gold Goblin number one and Fantastic Four number one. Okay. Which do you want to talk about first? Let's go with Fantastic Four. Okay. What did you think about it? I thought the book was well was written well, but it gave me the total vibes of like Amazing Spider-Man, where there's been a time jump and what? Why are they here? Oh, absolutely. And I'm just like, why? Why are they doing this again? What? <laughs> what happened? They definitely did the time jump and the oh, there's something we don't want to tell you about. And I'm like, oh, come on. It was a decent f- issue, but not a great first issue of a new volume. I agree. Only had Ben and Alicia in it, so we haven't even gotten the full Fantastic Four. Won't get that until, guess what? Issue number four. Wow, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> it took until the end of the issue to even really get a mention of the others. Yeah. The the last page reveal of the, oh, we're not going to talk about this, that, 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 that whole thing really annoyed me. And then I think it was in the text page at the back, where there's like, there are four rules to writing the FF. And I felt they kind of ran counter to like every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rules ran counter to how I see the FF or whatever. I mean, I, I forget what the rules were, but the first one kind of ran counter to how the thing has traditionally been treated, included in this issue. The second didn't fit with this issue because Ben and Alicia just aren't having an adventure. They, they're like literally escaping New York and whatever happened back then and there. And for the FF to do anything, uh, maybe they need to be in the story. I mean, that certainly helps. 
I would agree. It, 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 I felt mixed about this because I felt like, okay, Ryan North writing Squirrel Girl. I was like, eh, I'm not reading this. Forget it. I used to get the whole bundle of Marvel, you know, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. And so I got some Squirrel Girl. I'm like, yeah, this, is, this isn't good. <laughs> but I thought I felt like he had the voice of the characters and he wrote them well enough. But why, are, why is the story here and why do we not have the whole Fantastic Four? And now I feel like I'm being duped as far as the we're doing the Amazing Spider-Man thing. So it's I'm mixed with it. And I'm like, I feel like I still haven't seen him write a Fantastic Four story. Well, yeah. I mean, you could read this and wonder why the title is Fantastic Four when only a single member of the team's in the issue. Exactly. And the other ones are just barely mentioned. Now, with the Gold Goblin, I felt like I, I, liked, I enjoyed it for a first issue. You get insights into the redemption of Norman, mm-hmm. Soul Eater from the previous run. and he doesn't want to be the goblin, but then you get that that tease of the psychosis still there, and I'm just like, okay, so I'm just going to kick back and wait for the break to happen at this point. That's how I felt coming out of the book, but what did you think of it? I thought it was an interesting story. I just, I don't need know that we needed a gold goblin, and I'm pretty sure we don't necessarily need a red goblin after this, although that's coming too. Yeah. So, I, I picked it up. I've got the others on pre-order, but should I have done that or not? It's a decent read. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. Not essential reading, though. Yeah, I agree. And then there's a lot of mediocre stuff, you know, like Iron Man's going away, Hulk's the, you know, there's just like Shang-Chi's done. She-Hulk was kind of disappointing. It's just there. But I'm saving one that I did enjoy, which was Planet Hulk, because we had some questions at the end. Do you want to just go ahead and talk about that stuff now? or Sure. What the heck? I mean, I, I thought Planet Hulk, Worldbreaker was a, a fun read. And I'll be honest, that was one of those that I'd, I'd gotten, I'd pre-ordered. And by the time I got it, I'm like, should I have done this? Is this going to really be any good or not? And it was much better than I was expecting. I had little low yeah. expectations. I'm curious where it goes. It brought in one or two characters I was not expecting and hadn't seen for a bit. So I thought that was fun. Very fun. I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a, a good read, like seeing Greg Pak writing Planet Hulk. You get a big, huge time jump. So this is way in the future. And it almost gave me the vibes. I, I, this is not something you read, and it's not anything like this. But when I was reading Crossed Plus 100, mm. there was a main Cross series where you have all the people, you know, Crossed Plague runs across the... And the Crossed Plus 100, it's 100 years from when it started. There was like a different lexicon and stuff that happened. And so the same type of thing, this is so far in the future where you're seeing this, how the world has changed, and they're, they're using words, words like Hakar where they're, you know, multiple or smushing together Hulk and Sakaar. So they're creating almost like a little bit of a new lexicon in there because it's so far in the future, which I thought was kind of cool. Just give me a vibe of that. It is cool. It's a little post-apocalyptic kind of, you know, in terms of the stereotype writing of we're going to do a post-apocalypse, so let's trash everything and, and toss some funny words in there. But what got me with this is it is set a little ways down the line, but there's a familiar face or two, and I'm like... Yes, there is. If it's that far from now... How are they still there? Because <laughs> is this a hundred years, a thousand years? How far it down? It was supposed to be a, a thousand years, and so I was like, "How do we get these familiar faces a thousand years?" Yeah, yeah. That's the question I had. I was like, "Okay, man, they must live a very long time." <laughs> that was the only part of where I was like, "What happened here? Was there a time travel? I don't know." And there may be. We'll find out. So, but overall, I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. Yeah. The original Planet Hulk, I would say, was better, but this was a nice little spinoff. A fun read. Yeah, yeah. Now, one question I had about Iron Man, this was issue number 25. It also doubled as legacy number 650, I believe. Yes, it was. 
how did you think it worked in terms of one of those round number anniversary ish issues? I felt like it was not really that great. I, I'm trying to remember. I know they had some, I think they had some covers, didn't they? Oh, I'm sure they probably had plenty of covers. Yeah, but the story itself was kind of bland. It left me uninspired. And I felt like I'm just kind of sitting here and waiting for the new writer to come or come on because I, I didn't think it was good at all. Yeah, it was pretty much how I felt. I thought it was a, a lackluster 650 at best and only a so-so 25 or vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah, for them to put a big 650 on there, you expected something special. And I think the only special thing you could have said about this issue is they gave you some covers. And that was it. Yeah. Everything else was lackluster. <laughs> Disappointing. They had an opportunity and they squandered it. I agree. Again, there's a lot of stuff at Marvel that's solid. It's it's good, but it's journeyman. It's run of the mill. Yeah, I agree. It, it it almost felt like they were in the process of transitioning to the spring or something. I, I I don't know if they just let everything peter out and die for the winter, but that's how it felt. I don't know. The highest mark I gave anything was a B. Yeah. So, uh, th- me too. I, th- everything in here, I, I you know, like I used to do the letter grades. Now I just do one through five. The, har- the highest thing I gave was probably a B-plus to the Punisher issue, and there was a few other Bs, mm-hmm. and then a lot of Cs, and, a yeah. lot of, and some that I didn't like. I, re- I mean, the cancellation things were like things that I, I got rid of, Symbol of Truth, the, the secondary Captain America, where he's mm. never in America. <laughs> I, I've considered dumping Spider-Man with Dan Slott because he, he came out with the concept of the end of the Spider-Verse, and it seems like the Spider-Verse is getting bigger than ever, and I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I despise the Spider-Verse. You know, between the Spider-Verse stuff going over in Spider-Man and Dark Web starting up and amazing, yeah, it's possible those kind of push me out of the Spider-Stuff. Yeah, it, it, I got to issue, okay, issue 13 of Amazing Spider-Man, good, fine. You know, two hobgoblins fight, that's fine. We'll get the gold goblin. Issue 14, what book am I reading? That's, that's a fair comment. I was reading the recap. I'm like, did I miss something? What happened here? You get the, 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 a ton of the dark web Ben Riley, how he's a totally, almost an unsavable character. Like, there's no good quality about him. The whole thing with number 14 is setting up the dark web, which is interesting because it's not on the dark web checklist. It seems like it should have been. It seemed like it was all dark web. I was like, what am I reading? <laughs> oh, yeah. It had some interesting parallels between, I guess, Chasm is the new name for Ben Riley. Yeah. Which is just horrible. And the Goblin Queen stuff. It was horrible. <laughs> the introduction of, of Hallow's Eve was kind of bizarre, but okay. And there were some, some art style shifts between the chapters and the issue. It, it worked better for me than the previous issue, but is it a Spider-Man issue? No, not really. No, it was a Ben Riley dark web issue, which should not... This should, and it's not even part of the checklist, like you said. Yeah. It, and so I, it was just so weird reading it. They've had 14 issues to get me really excited about this amazing Spider-Man run, and they haven't. Yeah, that's how I feel. So it's, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah. I, and part of it is I'm sure I'm just a more jaded reader than I used to be, but I just, I don't know. Hey, I'm feeling the same way. So <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's interesting, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth talking about for me for Marvel, and kind of not really. Not really. <laughs> Other than I, I may, I, I really ought to make some cuts. Yeah, I, I literally have a thing up here in my list: Axe Judgment Day Omega. My, my comments: Not a good event. <laughs> how is a celestial negotiating with with people? Or how is a celestial negotiated with? How are Eternals changed? You know, the event didn't make any sense at all. 
I could have done without the epilogue, and I was just overly optimistic about the axe event. And the more I think about it, the more ironic it is that they call it axe. Because, well, when you're going to cut something from your pull list, you could say you're going to axe it. Boom! It's gone. (laughs) So, yeah. I do want to point out, there were two issues of damage control this month, two issues of of She-Hulk this month. Yeah. And I don't think that benefited either title. I would agree. That's the same way I felt. Move over to the other publishers. Yeah, let me pull that up now. Okay, I I received only 23. I used to get like 40-something here. So I did cut back quite a bit. Most of these actually worked decently for me. Most were in the B range. I got, what did I say, 15 of these thereabouts? Yeah, and only three of them were in the C range. Oh, okay, okay. What I wanted to ask you about, because I saw you did have it in your thing. Did you like that Ancient Enemies by Dan Didio? It was from that Frank Miller Press or whatever. Yeah, it was from Frank Miller Press. It was an interesting setup for a new narrative world by Dan Didio, and you can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing or just a thing. Kind of verbose and exposition-y in places, but he's setting up this whole new world, so you got to expect some of that. And the entire issue leads up to what I felt was kind of the reveal of, of what I feel turns out to be the premise point, like on the last page. Which, a uh, six-issue arc, uh, maybe that's the right place to do it, maybe it's not. Bottom line is, while it was a little verbose in some places, and part of it was seven ninety nine comic, extra length, etc., it was interesting enough for me to stick with it. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I, I thought it was okay. I felt like I didn't need to read it. So I'm like, I probably, I think I pre-ordered the second issue, but I, I've read enough for me. And it wasn't that it was bad. It's just like, not something I, f- I feel like I don't need to get into a whole other universe. I can see that. I can see that. It's not essential reading for me, but I, I, I have enough curiosity about it to stick with it. Makes sense. What did you really enjoy? Because I have a few things that I liked, but we don't le- read a lot of the same stuff when it comes to the indies. The first issue of The Ones I thought was interesting. Okay. It was all set up, but it was an interesting setup, so I want to see where that goes. Bunch of Star Trek stuff. Resurgence was interesting. It's a prequel for a video game that I'm never going to play. <laughs> That's funny. The only familiar face of it was Leah Brahms, who was, you know, referenced in a few episodes of Next Gen, and she's who the crew of the Resolute's trying to rescue, so it's not even like we really see her directly. It's a mildly interesting crew. It almost read like a fan-made Star Trek episode in many respects. Interesting. So, it was okay. I'm not going to say I recommend it. Okay. All right. That works. Time Before Time. Man, interesting issue, but it just too much jumping back and forth in time in this one for me to keep straight. Yeah. can get confusing. Especially spaced out months at a time. Yes. Yes. Reading it in a trade, it probably make complete sense. I'd have to say, though, the... The best of the bunch for me probably was Ancient Enemies. But Ancient Enemies, interesting. It was at least new and different, so I think that helped. It was different. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was different. Yeah. Star Trek and Star Trek Picard, Stargazer, both of those were were fine reads. I I like Star Trek, I enjoyed them. I have stuff that I'm still canceling in this indie section. Some of it's still, you know, just petering out, like Magic Order. I'm just waiting for it to finish. I think that the fifth was the last one. I'm not getting Magic Order 4, mm-hmm. Earth Divers, Night of the Ghoul, Dark Spaces, Wildfire. All this stuff's gone. Bleat and Valeria, gone. So anyways, there's a whole bunch of that. Another new number one that I got, which was a one-shot, was called Soldier Stories. And I picked it up as like, oh, it's uh, stories about soldiers in different you know battlefields, written by soldiers, drawn by soldiers, you know stuff like that. I picked it up. It really wasn't good. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be mean. It just was the art wasn't that great, and the stories weren't that good. Now, the ones that I did like, okay, 
Department of Truth number 22. Mm -hmm. Fantastic issue. So the premise of this one is what do you do when the truth is relative and can be manipulated? Because we know that about this world. If people think about things and they get people to think in a certain way, that becomes the reality. So what do you do when the department wants to kill a black hat member? It goes into vaccines, white supremacists, satanic stuff running rampant, all kinds of, you know, the, the stuff you see in the news and everything like that. And then what they decide to do is potentially go to the real press and tell the real story. That's kind of like the, hmm. the what we're going to do. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to play out because the world could be. But so I'm, I'm waiting to see how that plays out. That seems like a really dangerous thing. Yes. And like an end game kind of a move, because if you put it out there and somebody spins it just right, you've got the story of here's what's happening. Reality could be altered by what people think. And if somebody can convince people that that story is bogus and not right, does it undo that ability of the universe? It's literally almost a nuclear option. Boom. We're bombing yeah. it. And so it's, it's kind of horrifying and exciting, but we're getting close to the end. So I'm excited for this. Hmm. Another one that I thought was a really good and this is a name you'll remember. Well, it's Junkyard Joe number two, which is by Jeff Johns, mm -hmm. which was the spinoff story from his Geiger, which it spins off, but it has nothing to do with Geiger, which is funny. But the book picks up with a comic strip writer from back in the Viet Vietnam days, and he stopped his Beetle Bailey type strip, you know, like his little soldier strip. Mm -hmm. it, it had a robot soldier in the comic strip, and he was deemed to have, you know— PTSD and all these problems and stuff like this. And, you know, they're telling him there was no robot in Vietnam and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, Joe shows up at a store. Hmm. Is he having a break? Is it real? And some people in the background, how they're viewing it. So it's kind of, it was really kind of cool. It's a clever book. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World was another number one that came out that I picked up. And it came out from Boom, and it was a Jason Aaron book. And Jason Aaron has been doing a horrible job on the Avengers. But every now and then, he does a good job with his indie stuff things. He's a good writer. I just don't care for the stories he's telling over on Avengers. Exactly. It, it, you know, he has a knack for like Thor, Conan. He even had a Southern, you know, bad word that he did. But he's so he's off and on for me. But when he's on, he's very good. But this one was pretty good. We get a female and a male protagonist, both. The female was named Esmeralda, who goes by Mezzi. And the male is Mace. That's his name. And so Mace sees Mezzi coming out into a, you know, in a rowboat into the city that's basically been flooded, like the apocalypse has happened. He's living in a high-rise tower, and she's rowing through the streets, and he's firing like bowling ball cannons at her as defense. But he basically, they end up introducing each other. He's been living. His parents set him up in this thing. He has almost unlimited unlimited food from vending machines, and he has like pillows and different things. And she's been living just hand to mouth barely surviving and she stays with him for a little while and she's like you're not gonna be able to survive out here in the world she goes off on her own and he kind of follows her hmm. and so that's the beginning of the you know they run into some swampers but that's the beginning of this tale and they show you a flash forward to way in the future it was a really really good book i enjoyed it cool the other ones that i really i did enjoy but i won't go over them too much do a powerbomb solid penultimate issue not expecting daniel warren johnson when he's writing a book and drawing a book that he's is passionate about, he does a really good job. Still really good. Sacrament number four, which is Peter Milligan from AWA. If you like The Exorcist, you'll like this book. <laughs> Vanish number three, which is Donnie Cates, his image book that he's doing. It's a good series. There's some brutal fights that happen in here. Oliver has to fight basically the Baron Vanish followers. And 
it was a big fight issue that ended interestingly in some more revelations that happened. I can't say too much about it because it'll spoil it. And then the other two that I really enjoyed, Year Zero number two, is still really good. That's the zombie apocalypse from different viewpoints. And what's the furthest place from here, number eight, which is the weirdest book. It's completely bizarre, written by Tyler Boss, who I never read anything really from him until this. It's just, it's never like an A-plus book, but it's always really solid and keeps me reading. There's different groups, gangs, like the young kids. Mm-hmm. There's a, a pig group. <laughs> they wear pig masks. And they they basically, they have a, a character that they call him Wilbur, and they bully him. So he seeks out shelter with the perverts group. I, I know that sounds weird, but another young kid group called the perverts. And the pigs show up, and they kill some of the perverts. And so there's a big conclave of all the the gangs that come together. What are we going to do? Because there's not enough members. You have to have at least 15 members to have a group. Well, if you keep killing members off of other ones, what do you expect? Exactly. So it was so bizarre how this played out. And like the groups are literally like, we'll give this person this person to create a completely new group and just throw these people together. Bizarre. It's the it's the most weird book, but yet I enjoy it. Interesting. <laughs> For me, one of the ones that started this month was a new miniseries for Resident Alien. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it didn't really feel like a first issue because there's enough backstory in this, but it's also been long enough since the last miniseries that I'd kind of lost the thread of the comic narrative. Ah. And there's a competing television narrative going on with these characters and stuff, and it's really just killing any storm momentum the property had for me. And, you know, particularly when on the cover, they're, oh yeah, it's a sci-fi TV show kind of a thing. This isn't that, even though it is. So it's, it, I don't know if I'm, how well this, this volume's going to work for me and if I'm going to go for another one after this. You're just not sure. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes sense. I, I think part of it is the, the TV show is so different, such a different take on the property, yet overlapping in some respects with the property that it kind of causes a cognitive dissonance for me. And it's, it's not benefiting the comic. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, there's one that neither one of us mentioned, but I think we're both getting is Gun Honey Blood for Blood. I felt yeah. like it, it was a it was a decent issue, but you know, capturing the girl and trying that's trying to take out Gun Honey, but it didn't feel like it was really good. Well, it was very middle chaptery. It really was. It wasn't that great. It was a, a bad issue this time. Not a bad, but just okay. Incomplete. Yeah, just eh, there it was it is. chapter three of four. Yeah, so I'm hoping it. The next one's good because this one was just like building up to the last. It, it was picking up from where the last issue left off. I don't even remember if it was a cliffhanger or not. And then leading into what's going to be the big climatic part of the story next issue. Ah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah. the part of the story that doesn't stand alone. It's true. Yeah. So I'm hoping the next one is good. And I think it will be. But yeah, this one was just kind of a little bit just just there. I, I read it. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. feel anything reading it just getting set up one of the ones that hit in that c category for me yeah i'll tell you what i did get another book that was a number one but it was something i'm like i don't know if i'm sticking on it long term is traveling to mars Mm -hmm. that's another that's another mark russell book where it is a guy who has cancer going to mars they're trying to get the first person there because the first person there you know can kind of claim ownership of territory and stuff so countries are racing and he got sent by corporation and they pick this guy because he has like, they're like, oh, the problem isn't getting someone there. It's getting him back. And they don't really need to get him back because he has a rampant cancer. Mm-hmm. But while he's in zero G, it won't spread. 
Ah. So he'll have like so much time when he gets there, but they're going to give his family like millions of dollars and all this stuff. So it's a whole sad story around that and the reasons and the machinations behind what he's doing. But that's what this story's about. Hmm. Let me know how it works out. Yeah, it could be good. It was just like, I think I'm in for it, but um, it sounds like it could be one that could be really depressing and sad at the end. <laughs> true, true. So, But it could also be really good because of that. Yeah, yeah. It definitely it, sounds like an interesting concept. Yeah, so that, it, just FYI, I did read that. Now, we did get some questions this time around. Yeah, let's do those. All right, we got them from Jason Zeller. His first question, how is the new Fantastic Four series, and he put parentheses FF number one, which I appreciate. Because there was recently a new Fantastic Four series, and I think he asked about that last time, or somebody asked about that last time. <laughs> Anyways, does it look like it'll be a good run on the characters? The first issue was just Ben and Alicia. I'm still waiting for the rest of the characters to show up. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I did read issue number two, and I'm not going to talk about it, but we get two more characters and still not all the characters. Yeah. You basically, yeah, you get Mr. Fantastic and Sue. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're a unit, so you'd get those together. We'll get probably Johnny and three, yeah. and then the Fantastic Four and number four. So yeah, give it a, a, a three months to go figure it out. It's like, oh, come on. I'll repeat what I said. I think Brian North has a voice for the characters. They, they It sounded true. It sounded mm-hmm. like Ben Grimm. Sounded yeah, like Alicia. Yeah. I think he wrote it well, but it's not the Fantastic Four right now. It's, it's just a story about Ben Grimm at this point, and a big hole, like what, just exactly like what happened with Amazing Spider-Man. So if you can deal with the frustrations of not what 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 has happened, why are we here? Then you may enjoy it, but if you if that frustrates you, you're gonna hate it. Well, it's funny because we had Ben and Alicia in the first issue. Yep. We're gonna have Reed and Sue in the second issue. Yep. <laughs> Let's ignore Johnny in the third for a moment. This is really a new volume of the Marvel Two and one they did while the Fantastic Four was off being the Future Foundation. Very true. <laughs> you know team Johnny up with Herbie or something, so we got two there, it's still Marvel 2-in-1. So it's, it's not the Fantastic Four yet. Hopefully it will be. I'm hoping so. I, I, I got my fingers crossed. Uh, th- this is, I will say it's one of the better things I read by Ryan North, but the only thing I read from him was Squirrel Girl, and I hated that. Squirrel Girl was an acquired taste, and if you take it for what it was, which is very different than an average Marvel comic, it's not bad. Yeah, it, it, I, some people are fans. It's just for me, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. Can you talk about New Golden Age number one, JSA number one, and Stargirl Lost Children number one? Do these series by Jeff Johns look promising in returning the JSA to the DC Universe? Which story did you enjoy the most? For me, the New Golden Age, man, I loved that. I thought it was awesome. Stargirl Lost Children, we talked about that. It's interesting to see some some new Golden Age-style sidekicks, seeing how they weave into the timeline and whatnot, enjoying it so far. As I mentioned earlier, it seems like it should be a Nightwing and the Teen Titans kind of a story. It's about sidekicks. Stargirl wasn't a sidekick. Still a good read, though. Yeah, solid read. I think all three of them were really good. Oh, yeah. So if you're a DC fan, you are going to love this stuff. It, this this looks like the start of a new great era for the JSA, and it's it's long overdue. Yeah. The, the only warning I'll say is you, you don't really see the JSA, per se. <laughs> you kind of see a, J, a JSA? But not the JSA? We'll get the JSA, hopefully, in the second issue. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but I think they needed the New Golden Age and the first issue of JSA to kind of set the scene and get things rolling. Yeah, it, it was still terrific read. I, I, I think you'll be happy. You got to get those books, Jason. Yeah, and again, Michael Jan and Art, man, love it. Or, or better yet, you don't even have to get the books. Just su- subscribe to DC Unlimited Ultra. Boom, done. Definitely an option. 
they're already out. <laughs> well, those aren't going to be out there on there because, again, it's the 30-day wait. Oh, by the time this goes up. This will go up Monday, so. Oh, so almost there. All right. Almost You'll have there. to wait a week or two. All right. Yeah, yeah. Next question. Tim Drake, Robin, number three, overall, what's causing you to drop the title? Is it the art, the storyline, or a combination of several things that's not working? That's you, John. I did not read this. All of the above and then some, maybe? Uh, <laughs> I'm not loving the art. The, the, the art style it fit over on Scoregirl does not fit for me on Tim Drake Robin. But again, I've got you know nearly 200 issues of a much cleaner artwork style with Chuck Dixon having done a lot of the stuff. I think it was over on the original Robin, you know, Tim Drake series and whatnot. Kicking Robin out of kind of, not really kicking him out of the Batman family, but he's got nothing to do with it in the three issues I've read. He's over in the marina, which is nonsensical and whatnot. It, it's like he's kind of homeless, but not. It's it's weird. So let's introduce a, a completely new status quo, do a totally different take on the character, and with an art style that doesn't work for me. For me to get on that book, they need to, they need a completely new creative team. The letterer can stay, maybe. Maybe I'd have to go double check that, but the rest of it, no. Like, forget it. <laughs> I don't like the art. I don't like the story. I don't like the take Megan Fitzmartin has on the character. It reeks of wanting to, to, to write something relevant and shoehorning it into a character to make it happen. So I, I find that frustrating. Well, I'm glad I skipped it. You made the right choice. <laughs> okay, final question. What is the general premise of Planet Hulk Worldbreaker number one? Does this relate in any way to the original Planet Hulk by Greg Pak? It does. Absolutely. Oh. It's in the future on the original Planet Hulk planet. Like I said, I had low expectations. It really exceeded them. It's it's a fun read. Yeah, it's it's a fun read. And yeah, you're going a thousand years into the future. That's what I took. It could be a hundred years. I, I thought it's a thousand years. I was thinking a thousand, but it could be. I don't know. Yeah. It, so it's it's a long time into the future where the people with the green skin, the uh, offspring of, of Hulk, are basically persecuted at this time. They look down upon. Persecuting a Hulk. Who'd have thunk it? Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> and they're looking for a savior to come and help them. So, it, it, but it's it's good. It, there's a little bit of that cross plus 100 where some things have changed just because it's so far in the future. I think Greg Pak's passionate about this world, so it's a chance for him to revisit it. Fun read. Yeah. I think having Greg Pak do the writing was the right move. Me too. He, you can tell he enjoys it and he's having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So upcoming recordings, obviously we've got another monthly comic spotlight in about a month. Then we'll have a yearly comic spotlight. We've got the questions up for the yearly comic spotlight on the forum. So go over there. If you want to submit to it, all you got to do is copy my first post, paste it into another one, and put your answers between the square brackets. We tried to pare down the questions, streamline the stuff, yet still get to the, the crux of the matter and ask the same basic questions. But Instead of a Marvel, a DC, and another kind of category, it's just, yeah, lump all the comics together and tell us what you thought. But that means when you tell us you like something, tell us the publisher, tell us the creators. If you tell us a creator you like, tell us what they've worked on and for what publisher. Because before we had the context clues of, well, it's a, it's a Marvel thing or it's an other thing, but I can't keep all this stuff straight anymore. Yo, I can't either. And there's a lot of books I'm not reading, so somebody may say, some artist, like whoever, you know, artist X, Y, or Z, and they're doing an amazing job on this comic. I'm like, or not on, they wouldn't even say this comic. They're like, artist X, Y, or Z is amazing. And you and I look at each other like, because sometimes they just have a creator of X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And we're like, what did they write? What did they, what were they drawing? I don't know. 
writer, artist, colorist, penciler, letterer, janitor? I'm pulling up Google and my delirium after after six hours of recording Google delirium. I'm typing it in. I don't know what he did. (laughs) Help us out. I'm getting old. I've gotten forgetful. Yeah, me too. It's getting worse. Yeah. We've also got some back spotlights coming up to record. We're going to be finishing off our look at Stanley's Just Imagine. It's been a ton of fun so far. Yeah. We're going to take a look at Avengers Forever, and then we're going to go dive into Multiversity. Yeah, that should be fun stuff. So those will be obviously multi-part episodes for those as well. So it should be good. Cool. Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what we've discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.